Good morning, friends, and thank you for joining us in what we're calling a conspiracy of goodness. Playing the songs and telling the stories of the people of our community and our neighborhoods, Larry Long. Capturing the stories and songs and sounds of our neighborhoods and our communities, Brett Hughes. I'm Tom Thibodeau, and today the three of us are celebrating autumn. Here's a poem called Autumn by John Clare that I put to a melody of my song. The thistle down's flying, though the winds are still. On the green grass lying, now mounting the hill. The spring from the fountain now boils like a pot. Through stones past the counting, it bubbles red hot. Going home to the driftless, home to the driftless, home to the driftless, to the place I call home. Sarah Teasdale wrote a poem in 1914, a memoir of autumn filled with details of sight and sound. Lyric night of the lingering Indian summer, shadowy fields are senseless but full of singing. Never a bird but the passionless chant of insects, ceaseless, insistent. The grasshopper's horn in the far off, high in the maples, the wheel of a locust leisurely grinding the silence under a moon waning and worn, broken. Tired with summer, let me remember you, voices of little insects, weeds in the moonlight, fields that are tangled with asters. Let me remember, soon will the winter be on us, snow hushed and heavy. Over my soul murmur your mute benediction while I gaze, O fields that rest after harvest, as those who took part look long in the eyes they lean to, lest they forget them. Going home to the driftless, home to the driftless, home to the driftless, to the place I call home. Fall Leaves Fall by Emily Bronte. Fall leaves fall, die flowers away, lengthen night and shorten day. Every leaf speaks with bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree. Going home to the driftless, home to the driftless, home to the driftless, to the place I call home. I was doing some research recently, Larry, about the trees in the driftless. And for centuries, the majority of trees were a savanna of oaks huh. that grew along the bluffs that held the soil in place, that provided habitat for the rich insects and birds and animals and fish. Savannas of oak and prairies of grasses was the majority of the topography. 
pine was introduced, and then we had some maple and some basswood that also came. I live in a little forest of pine trees that were planted over 60 years ago by a friend of mine who only lives three miles up the road. His biology teacher in Lafarge was a disciple of Aldo Leopold and thought that trees should be planted into the piece of property that our cabin rests on. And so they planted these trees and I had this gentleman for breakfast last summer and he looked at them and he said, I would have never guessed that they would get that big. 60 <laughs> years of white pine and red pine mixed with maples and basswood trees. From the Hidden Life of Trees, I read by Peter Wollombane. When trees grow together, nutrients and water can be optimally divided among them all so that each tree can grow into the best tree it can be. If you help individual trees by getting rid of their supposed competition, the remaining trees are bereft. And then he writes, A tree is not a forest on its own. A tree cannot establish a consistent local climate. It is at the mercy of wind and weather, but together many trees create an ecosystem that moderates extremes of heat and cold, stores a great deal of water, and generates a great deal of humidity. He goes on to tell us this. Do tree societies have second-class citizens like human societies? It seems they do. Though the idea of class doesn't quite fit, it is rather the degree of connection or maybe even affection that decides how helpful a tree's colleagues will be. You can check this out for yourself simply by looking up into the forest canopy. The average tree grows its branches out until it encounters the branch tips of a neighboring tree of the same height doesn't grow any wider because the air and better light in this space are already taken. However, it heavily reinforces the branches it has extended, so you get the impression that there's quite a shoving match going on up there. But a pair of true friends is careful right from the outset not to grow overly thick branches in each other's direction. The trees don't want to take anything away from each other, so they develop sturdy branches only at the edges of their crowns, that is to say, only in the direction of non-friends. Such partners are often so tightly connected at the roots that sometimes they even die together. Isn't that amazing how connected trees are giving us an indication of who we might become? Chickadees, goldfinches, pileated woodpeckers, the cooing sound of the morning dove. Outside my window, colors of autumn, painting a portrait of the land that I love. Going home to the driftless, home to the driftless, home to the driftless, to the land that I love. Going home to the driftless, Home to the driftless, home to the driftless, to the land that I love. I find autumn to be a part of remembrance. Autumn seems to take me back to my childhood, which I really enjoyed because it was the beginning of school and football. 
I enjoyed school and even enjoyed football more. It was amazing on Sunday afternoons we'd watch the Green Bay Packers and at halftime my dad would take us out to the side yard and throw us passes and of course we would dive and churn and do whatever we can to try to imitate our heroes of the day. I can remember walking home from school and kicking through the leaves and how it, it got to be dusk and the smell of people burning leaves in the gutters along the streets. The streets were literally filled with smoke, but it was a lovely smoke, an intoxicating smoke. We had a ditch that ran between our neighborhood and the adjoining the neighborhood, and um, the men would sweep up the leaves and place them in the ditch. And I thought, wow, won't that be a great place for a fire? I mean, if adults can burn leaves, why can't kids? And so I, I went back there and I had probably taken a pack of matches, didn't want anybody to know. Probably the only kid who's ever done this, I'm sure. And there was a big pile of leaves in the ditch and I set it on fire. Oh, the smoke was incredible and the flames took off and pretty soon I had a pretty good fire going on and my neighbor comes rushing out. His name was Charlie Mullen. Charlie looked at me and said, what you doing? I said, well, I, I just uh, started a fire. I, I didn't mean, stop it. And, and he got it, went and got a shovel and he put that fire out and he then made me dig some shovelfuls and throw it on and he said, you know, I'm a fireman. You could have burned down our whole neighborhood. Didn't you spend the rest of life in jail? I didn't think it was true at that moment, but right now I'm thinking back to Charlie Mullen. I think he was pretty serious. Oh, autumn leaves and the smell of smoking leaves and the autumn breeze that was coming in, football that was moving towards the end of a season that for us ended with Thanksgiving. Oh, to be 10 again, to experience that fall. I think I'm going to play in the leaves this weekend. <laughs> you know, as Mississippi River bard, poet, and philosopher Eddie Allen wrote, when the sun shines in the final days before the ice takes hold during the lengthened darkness of the coming season, its reflected brilliance is such that looking at the river is nearly the same as staring directly into the fiery ball itself. It doesn't happen in summer. It only occurs after most of the colors surrounding the water has been wrung out in anticipation of the long sleep ahead. The result is a rare and delightful blindness. Carl Sandburg wrote, Under the harvest moon, when the soft silver drips shimmering over the garden nights, death, the gray mocker, comes and whispers to you as a beautiful friend who remembers. Under the summer roses, when the flagrant crimson lurks in the dusk of the wild red leaves, love, with little hands, comes and touches you with a thousand memories and asks you, beautiful, unanswerable questions. This French poet, Jacques Purvey, wrote this poem, Autumn Leaves, the falling leaves drift by the window. The autumn leaves of red and gold, 
I see your lips, the summer kisses, the sunburned hands I used to hold. Since you went away, the days grow long, and soon I'll hear old winter's song. But I miss you most of all, my darling, when the autumn leaves start to fall. You know, many years back, I worked on a combine crew from Texas on up into the Dakotas. It gave me a deep respect for those who work the fields. Here's a song I wrote called No Jobs in Texas for those migrant workers who harvest the crops into the fall that we put on our tables. No jobs in Texas, up north I must go Away from my family in the barrio To work in the factories, to work in the fields Where the black earth keeps turning, paying the bills La noche alumbrada Llena de cantos The strings of my guitar Sing until dawn This love I am feeling As wide as a sea That blows like the prairie Winds into me The same as my father Grandmother, granddad The same as the geese We return to this land La noche alumbrada Llena de cantos The strings of my guitar Sing until Six dollars an hour is what we get paid My dad works by night, my mother by day From spring until summer, from summer to fall Then head back to Texas when the snow falls La noche alumbrada Llena de cantos The strings of my guitar Sing until dawn
beneath the hot sun To work in the factories To work in the fields Where the black earth keeps turning Paying the bills La noche alumbrada Larry, your songs remind all of us of how we are connected naturally. It's human nature, not human and nature, and you capture the dignity of both. From Paul Wolmbein, The Hidden Life of Trees. When the logs in the fireplace crackle merrily, the corpse of a beech or an oak is growing up in flame. The paper in this book you are holding in your hands right now is made from the shavings of spruce and birches, which were expressly felled, that is to say killed, for this purpose. Does that sound over the top? I don't think so. For we can keep in mind all we have learned in the previous lifetimes as parallels can definitely be drawn to pigs and pork. Not to put too fine a point on it, we use living things killed for our purposes. Does that make our behavior, behavior reprehensible? Not necessarily, after all. We are also part of nature. We are made in such a way that we can survive only with the help of organic substances from other species. We share this necessity with all other animals. The real question is whether we help ourselves only to what we need from the forest ecosystem and analogous to our treatment of animals, whether we spare the trees unnecessary suffering when we do this. That means it is okay to use wood as long as trees are allowed to live in a way that is appropriate to their species. And that means that we should be allowed to fulfill their social needs to grow in a true forest environment on undisturbed ground and to pass their knowledge on to the next generation. And at least some of them should be allowed to grow old with dignity and finally die a natural death. Autumn, a time in which we celebrate life and death, beginnings and endings, Summer has come to an end. Autumn reminds us that winter is near. We become dormant before we come back to life. Thank you all so very much for listening to Conspiracy of Goodness with Tom Thibodeau, Brett Hoos, and myself, Larry Long. Have a blessed week, and thank you for all that you do. Take time, friends, to uh, walk in the leaves. Take time to uh, play in the leaves. Take time to be grateful and remember our childhood falls. Peace and all good.
You have been listening to Conspiracy of Goodness with Larry Long and Tom Thibodeau, produced and recorded by Brett Hoos. For more information about Larry and Tom, please visit www.larrylong.org and www.tomttalks.com. We look forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening.